Men's breakfast yesterday. Woo! Man, we had 16 guys yesterday at men's breakfast. First men's breakfast, we had like four. Then we had like six. Then we had like eight, nine. And yesterday we were 16 and and, and, and a couple people that were still going to come didn't even make. It was like the men's fellowship is growing. When I see that I look around the room, it's like when I first came into this church, the first Sunday I sat here, there were 17 of us, and that was after Pastor Mark had just arrived on the scene. There was like 17 people in here, max. And, uh, and I would have never realized, I mean, I knew right away, I, do, I did know right away, this is where God would have me to be. I didn't know the mission all the way through yet, but I was like, this is, me and my wife, we looked at all the big churches in town, we're like, they got plenty of workers here doing stuff. Plenty of people serving, doing things. We could come here, sit down, and punch in our God time card and go home and never deal with really meeting anybody over the next six months. Take it easy. Focus on ourselves and our selfish little lives. That's not God's plan, right? God's plans always come through if he has a plan for you. We saw that in Jacob and Esau's story, yeah? God has a plan, and he will make it happen if he has a plan for you. I, uh, I told you guys last week I was really excited about this Sunday. I was so excited about this Sunday that last night I wrote next week too. <laughs> so now I'm going to tell you I'm really excited about next week. It's more like my small notes that I add in. Like I grab stuff and I'm like, ooh, that's good when it stands. I'm like, that's good because that hits me. And when stuff hits me and I say that's good, I know usually other people will enjoy like, yeah, that, that's, I needed to hear that. Because that's what God, I love when God reveals stuff to me that way. You know, um, but you know what, you guys? Some people just don't get it. Some people just don't get it. Esau didn't get it. We're going to see more of that today in in, in the reading. But Esau didn't get it. But what about the people that we know close to us who just don't get it? They don't get it. They grew up in a home where Christ was taught. They either went to Catholic church or Christian church, but they knew the name of Jesus. And they just don't get it. And their brother did. Their uncle did. Their cousin Tom did. But they didn't get it. Why? Why, Pastor Chris? My answer is this. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't get it. But they didn't, and Esau didn't get it. I know why Esau didn't get it, because he wasn't chosen. Esau wasn't chosen. His heart was different. Right? Esau's heart was different. But wouldn't Esau's heart be a reflection of the father he grew up close to? Isaac. Right? Told you. Esau was Isaac's son. And I joked around and called Jacob the, 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 the sissy boy, but he's not. We're going to learn he's not. He's going he's gonna to work really hard in the next, uh, he's going to work really hard next week. And he's blessed. He can use his hands. He can work. He can labor. Jacob's going to be really blessed. But those people that just don't get it, they grow up, they go to church, they go to church. They went to Sunday school, and they heard the same stuff day in, day out, every week. And you try to get them involved. You try to keep them going every Sunday. 
And then they become a teenager and they're like, I'm going to do what I want. I don't want to go anymore. How about the ones they grow up and they see God's miraculous work in somebody's life? They see it. They can't even deny it. But they choose to. They grow up and they deny the very power they are very much aware of. They start to sound like this. They go so far today to tell you that in argument with you, they'll tell you they've completely lost their faith. There is no God. They believe in science now. Right? It's sad. It's sad. Because there's a God. Very real. Very much done a many miraculous. God has done so much in my life to make himself so present and give me so much of an awareness of his presence and his acts in so many areas of my life. So many different times that for me to deny that would be foolish. Just foolishness. Stupidity, I call it. Ignorance is not, ignorance is a good, it's a word that it sounds bad, but it's not. Ignorance means you're not educated, you don't understand. Stupid is when you're educated, you understand, and you just don't get it. You ask yourself as a faithful believer, what's going on with this person? What can I do to lead that person back? Well, you know, Jacob and Esau will reconcile much later in life, but not today. You ever watch movies? You ever watch TV? Anybody? TV, Netflix, guilty, guilty, guilty. Where's my TV centers at? Book centers, love novels, novellas, soap operas, drama, drama, drama. We love it, right? Dale's like, no. No. Dale's like, no. So you ever watch a movie where there's a mafia guy or a, uh, or a criminal underworld leader or a, 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 a nation's leader and they're dying? And the wrong person is about to take over. How many times have we seen these movies? Right? Too many times. And the father, he says things like, Commodus is not a moral man. He must not rule. What movie is that? Gladiator. Thank you, Elena. Gladiator. Too many times. I love that movie. Gladiator. In the movie Gladiator, Joaquin Phoenix played the role of Commodus, the son of Marcus Aurelius. And if you actually look in Roman history, at the end of 2nd century AD, there was an uh, emperor in Rome named Marcus Aurelius. He did have a son named Commodus, and Commodus was killed later. The movie's a base, loosely based description of that. Not 100% accurate, of course, because movies never are. But there's, that's an example. Like, that is a real thing. And so in that movie, he played that immoral power-hungry, embittered son, right? Sound like somebody we know from our recent weeks, okay? And he murdered his father when he learned that Maximus Decimus Meridius was going to become the emperor's power and take the trust and give it back to the republic, remember? And what did Esau say when he found out that his brother stole his blessing? The time to mourn my father is coming to an end, and when it does, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill my brother. Immoral man, the wrong guy, 
But did the wrong guy take over? No, that wasn't in God's plan. Commodus didn't get it in the movie, did he? He didn't get what was good for Rome. He didn't get what was good for the people. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. He probably, I I like to paraphrase and dive into stories. You guys know I like to dive into stories. He probably grew up watching Roman fighting wars, right? Rome fighting wars. He watched many soldiers who were close to the family die, not come home. He watched many men spend years away from their families in war. We all know that that's what early church, or the early uh, Roman Empire did. They went to war for years. They didn't come home, right? He'd seen all this. He knew what war equaled. He knew what the result of war would be. Yet he was hungry for that power. He had the wrong motives, and he wasn't willing to see the country go in the right way. He didn't get it. Do you ever not get it? Today we're going to see how Esau resembles a lot of that wrong guy. He was the wrong guy. His decision-making, his thinking. We're also going to see how Jacob, who was the rightful prophesied one to receive the blessing is going to be blessed properly. Last week, he, got the dece- he, he took the blessing out of deception. But today, his father's going to actually give him the blessing in the right way from God. Some change direction here. Probably listened to his wife finally. Man, I got a good response from all my husbands here. Right? Remember, Rebecca had been prophesied to that the older would serve the younger. And I told you, lots of pillow talk. Isaac had heard this many times, but he wasn't having it. He wasn't good with that. Esau, the big, strong, hairy hunter, he was getting the blessing, remember? Did he listen to his wife finally? Remember his wife convinced him at the end of last chapter we got to send Jacob away. And he needs to get a wife from somewhere else, same as you did. Right? So, we're going to see we're going to see that. We're going to see what happens how what Jacob's response was to God. His response. We're going to see some similarities and differences with generational blessing. And for the first time ever, since coming up here, you're going to hear me use the word tithe. Uh-oh. I love that word. Thank you. It works. And it wasn't a command here. It's what I love about this story. Jacob's calling. Genesis 28, 1 to 22. Okay, for my good buddies in the back. I've gotten some feedback from the cow. I'm going to slow down when I'm going through the bullet point notes. We'll give everybody time to fill them out. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of clapping going on there. I guess <laughs> that everybody was being honest with me. Genesis 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, 
to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. That's the same place where the servant was sent by Abraham to get a wife for Isaac. Okay? Follow along. Similarities. Take for yourself a wife there from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother, who was also in the original story when the servant went and met Rebekah. May God Almighty bless you. Right there. He's given him the real blessing. He's blessing the right son, not the wrong son. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you what? The blessing of Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Paddan, Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Esau saw, listen to this, you guys. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padam Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father, because he already didn't get it, folks. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajath, to be his wife, in addition to the wives he had. He still doesn't get it, guys. Point that out in the notes here. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, should say to him, to Jacob, says, and the Lord said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. What a great promise. What a great promise. There's something we're going to point out about that in a minute. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! 
This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then, then, then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Wow. There's a lot of stuff happening in there. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, Chris. go through some of these notes here first bullet point what happened this week Chris Isaac blessed Jacob as he was supposed to something changed Isaac's viewpoint on who the blessing was going to go to the blessing from God not the not the fatherly blessing the blessing of God and what was this blessing the Abrahamic covenant that blessing. We're not talking about, I've got 92 acres of land here and 400 horse and 800. No, we're not talking about that blessing. We're talking about the Abrahamic covenant. This blessing he passed to Jacob as he was always supposed to, but now it happened. What did he do when he gave him this blessing? He did a few things that were included here. He gives him instructions on how and who to marry. This was very, very, very important. Why? Because the women of the land of Canaan were immoral. The women of the land of Canaan were not pure, were not legitimate, and were not to be a part of that original blessing. Just weren't. It was going to the, to the house of Abraham. The house of Abraham is where it needed to stay. And to marry into that land would be marrying your son into idol worship, false gods, and we all know married men in the house, raise your hands. Divorced men in the house, raise your hands. Okay. We all know a man wants to please his wife, his woman, that significant other. Am I wrong? Well, she worships this, so guess what you worship now? You worship that. And just like Abraham knew about Isaac, Isaac knew the same with Jacob, and he said, don't do that. And as we already saw with Esau's mistake of marrying the Canaanite women, they were not pleased with that decision. Anybody here have a parent who basically made you feel like you were about to make a wrong decision with who you were going to choose to spend the rest of your life with? Not Bibi, but Yes. BB, they blessed BB. We want you to be with BB. BB's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. 
you wouldn't be who you are today if it wasn't for Bibi. Bibi got all the praise. But we've been down that road, right? And what did we do when we heard that instruction and those wise words of wisdom? What did we do? And you don't know what you're talking about. My favorite words. It's going to be different than what you think. It's never different. Okay, this was the pure and legitimate blessing, guys. That's what happened here. This was the pure and legitimate blessing, not the blessing that was stole with deception. This is now Isaac is giving this pure and legitimate blessing to Jacob. This is not deception. Jacob is now being blessed properly. Okay, because we always know, we always look back when you hear the story of Jacob and Esau, you're like, Jacob stole the blessing, that's it, move on. No. Right here, Jacob receives the pure and legitimate blessing. Now it is Jacob's. Isaac, like Abraham, refused to have him marry the Canaanites. I already told you why. I jumped ahead of myself. Why, Chris? Because the blessing could not be endangered by intermarriage of spiritual impurity. This was highly important. Let me ask you a question. Young people, unmarried people, you two standing in the back, you three in the back, you three young men in the back, listen, the blessing could not be endangered by intermarriage of spiritual impurity. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, Pastor Chris. Fantastic. Then do not marry a woman who does not believe the same thing because you will please her before you please Jesus. Tell me I'm wrong. You will please that woman way before you please Jesus. In fact, it will be displeasing to Jesus, and you will go in that direction. And you will tell your parents that they don't know what they're talking about. That all their years of paying taxes and doing the work and watching lives be destroyed by bad decisions, you're going to tell them that they don't know anything and that you know it all. I was there once too. Right? Here we go. Let's talk about Esau a little bit. Esau, still trying to please his father, does not get it. He doesn't get it, guys. He doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. He didn't understand the Abrahamic covenant. That's point A. He didn't understand the Abrahamic covenant. He's grown up in it. He knows who his grandfather is. He knows his father, who his father is. You're the son of a miracle. You're grandparents didn't have you till you were, or my grandparents didn't have you till they were over a hundred. You're the son of a prophecy. But I don't get it. That's Esau. I don't get it. I don't understand this Abrahamic covenant thing. Bullet point B. He attempts to use intellectual logic to marry properly, right? He's like, you know, Jacob just got blessed. And my dad told Jacob to not marry a Canaanite woman. He sent him away to my family's land to get a wife. I think I made a bad decision with whom I married. Intellectual logic. But does he get it, folks? No. Still doesn't get it. Because we're going to go to bullet point C. Are you ready? This was the good one. 
The unchosen son of Isaac married into the unchosen line of Ishmael. What a great decision. I love it. I love it. I'm sick. I love it. I see bad decision after bad decision after bad decision here by Esau. First he marries the wrong woman, and then when he decides, he realizes what his father wants. He still doesn't get it. And he goes and he marries from Ishmael, who he already knew was unchosen, who was going to go wander out in the wilderness, not under the Abrahamic covenant, right? This is where he's like, I know I'm married wrong the first time. I need to marry within the family. So I'm going to go over here to the wrong side of the family. That's what he did. The unchosen son of Isaac married into the unchosen line of Ishmael. I loved that last week when I wrote that down. I laughed. I'm like, dude, he doesn't get it. That's what led me to writing all this. People don't get it. They don't get it. Let's see. Now we're going to get into some good stuff. What, what happened with Jacob here, you guys, in this story? Because a lot of things happened with Jacob. Jacob's vision at Bethel was based on God's grace. Jacob's vision at Bethel was based on God's grace. Why, Chris? Well, I'll tell you why. He just deceived his father. He just lied. The whole family is spiritually fragmented now. He's been sent away, and on his journey, God shows up in a dream to reassure him that he's loved, he's going to be blessed, he's going to be his God, he's going to bless him with a descendant's, He's under the Abrahamic covenant. God shows up. How many times do you screw up, do you drop the ball in your life, and God has to show up and reassure you of his grace? That's what God did right here for Jacob. Because I guarantee you that Jacob on this wandering journey alone is scared. He feels horrible. He's made a lot of bad decisions himself. God appeared to him. God appeared to assure him of the blessing and protection. God appeared to assure him of the blessing and protection. Yes? What happened from this, you guys? What was Jacob's... What, what happened here? This prompted marvelous worship. Anybody ever have marvelous worship? This prompted marvelous worship. This prompted Jacob to vow his loyalty. Did Jacob not say, if you will do all these things for me, you'll be my God. I'm going to follow you to the end of my days, and I'm going to make you my God, and I'm going to give you a tithe. No law, no command. I'm going to do it because my heart tells me everything I have and everything I'm going to get is from you. And I'm going to trust you to bless it. This dramatically changed Jacob's outlook, you guys. Because he went from feeling down here, he went from zero to hero in a dream. Zero to hero in a dream. It's the opposite. In sales, I'm a salesman. I go from hero to zero at the beginning of every month. Hero to zero at the beginning of every month. On the first of the month, it's what did you do for me today? Anybody here in sales? Then you know what I'm talking about. I go from hero to zero at the first of every month. And at the first of every year, you go below zero. You go into negative integers. 
Okay? Now we really need to see what you're made of. Okay? So I wrote some notes here. After all that happened back at home, it would only be natural for Jacob on this journey to feel lost, alone, confused, unworthy, hated, untrusted, illegitimate. The list goes on. After the actions he performed. Anybody feel this way? You make decisions sometimes? How about this? I love honesty. I'm a transparent pastor. Anybody feel this way this week? Thank you. That's why you need a Savior. That's why we have a Savior. Because we do get it. And when you screw up, you really feel bad. You know. Let's look at some of the things. Jacob's worshipful response included the following. Jacob's worshipful response included the following. Are we going slow enough for everybody this time? Good. I've slowed down a little bit. Get the notes filled in. Probably the people at home are thinking the same thing. He went way too fast. What did the worshipful response included? Uh, A, having fear before the Lord. Well, fear, that's not a good thing. There is such thing as healthy fear and unhealthy fear. Have you guys heard me talk about this before? Healthy fear, my alarm goes off at 6 a.m. Healthy fear tells me that if I don't get up, because I don't want to get up. Healthy fear tells me that if I don't get up, I won't get ready for work, I won't go to work, and then if I don't go to work, I'm going to lose my job. That's a fear, because then if I lose my job, I can't pay my bills. Tax man, state man, and whoever else I owe money to is going to come and take everything I own. This is called a healthy fear. This is why you go to work every day, folks. It's called a healthy fear. Okay? He had healthy fear when it came to this. He had fear before the Lord. Healthy fear. I now know who God is, and oh my gosh, he could destroy me, but he's not choosing to. But I'm going to try to live the way he would like, because now I have healthy fear of who he is. Healthy fear. What else did he do? What else happened? He erected a memorial stone pillar. The stone pillar is important. It was not an altar. I love you, Mike. It was not an altar. There was a difference. That, that's a, this is different. Because <laughs> normally I always tell you guys, they built an altar, and I talk about altars in your lives. This is a pillar. This is a little different, but it's same same concept. What else did he do? He consecrating the stone with oil. He blessed this stone pillar. He, he put oil on it, asking for God's blessing on it. He named the place Bethel. Bethel means house of God. For surely God is in this place, but I did not know it. House of God, Bethel. This place will become a staple in the future of the house of Israel. Did I tell you yet that Jacob will be renamed Israel? Did you not know that, everybody? You've ever heard the word, the nation of Israel, the Israelites? Oh, we're going to get into it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm giving you a spoiler alert. Jacob will be renamed Israel, and his 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel. We're going there, folks. It gets good. I'm giving you guys as much history as I can here. I'm trying to help you understand God's word so that you can understand why he had to send a savior to die on a cross for you. 
And then you can be grateful for that grace you've been given. What else happened? He makes a vow expressing the faith, his faith in God. He makes a vow. If you do these things for me, God, that you just told me and promised, you will be my God. He makes a vow. This prompted his promise to tithe. This prompted his promise to give. This prompted his heart to give an act of expressed, full, expressed worship. He knew that what God was going to give him was given by God, and he was going to put it back into God. This church has bills. We got electricity. We got every unit here. We want to grow. We want to invest in God's kingdom and get more people in here, not people stealing from another church. We want to find unchurched people. We want to tell them who Jesus is, and we want to bring them into salvation so we can spend eternity with them. But the building can't exist if we don't tithe into it. God, I didn't get an amen. <laughs> I know you all got it. But that's the truth. I can't give 10%, Chris. Then give five. I can't give five, Chris. Then give 2.5 until you feel comfortable. Let God, let God put on your heart what you can give joyfully. Start somewhere. Because if you don't, you just tell yourself, since I can't do 10, I won't do anything. <clears throat> Bad decision, Esau. You just don't get it. Yeah, first time I've ever talked about tithing up here, huh? I've been waiting. Council's like, any day now, Chris. Not bad. I'd probably be another seven months before I bring it back up. Something I found quite interesting in this story, guys. We don't want your money. We don't want your money. We want your heart. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. Give joyfully before God. I leave you with that. Here's something I found really interesting in this story today. Jacob was the first person in the line of Abraham that God did not tell him he would bless him only if. Did you catch that today? With Abraham, he said, go to this place, stay in this land, and if you do this, I will bless you and make you a, a nation of many descendants. Old Testament, New Testament. Rules, applications, Jacob, none. It's yours. Because Myself, I saw it. They were about scrambling. It's me. It was me. Hey, Abraham and Isaac were always given an if, and Abraham and Isaac didn't deceive anybody. Well, Abraham did quite a few times. But but let's just look at the story here. 
These guys didn't do what Isaac had just done. Abraham deceived because he was afraid he was going to get killed when he lied about who his wife was. Jacob straight stole the blessing with the help of his mom. So I found that to be funny. So what I said, Old Testament, New Testament. The first two guys did everything to the best of their ability. And they had a constant, if you do this, you'll be blessed. And I'll bless you with all the descendants forever. Jacob just dropped the ball. He did some heinous stuff. And he's getting blessed with no ifs. No ifs. Several motives here that will pertain to Israelite customs are established on this very day. The most notable is the memorial stone built at Bethel. Later, the conquering Israelites would reckon this place to be a holy place where God could be seen. Another motive is tithing. To give a tithe was an act whereby a person acknowledged that everything he had belonged to God. Faith will outwardly recognize this fact in token form. That is how Jacob did it. Because, you bless, because you're going to bless me, I'm going to do this, God. What an act. That's called response. How do you respond to God when God does things in your life? And we're not just talking about financial blessing, material blessing, you know, I'm in a good place today. My, I'm, what is your response? Man. Jacob's vow was an important element in this event. He vowed that if God would protect him, provide for him, and return him to his homeland. Remember, he just left his homeland. He promised, he vowed that if he would do those things, then this place would become a major worship center for God. Bethel would become a major worship place center for God. Vows were also later important to all Israel. Standing stones would become important from this point on. They are different from altars. These types of memorials were set up to recall divine visitations. So that others might learn about God when they would ask, what do these stones mean? Give us an example, Chris. Thank you for asking that. Joshua 4, 4 through 7 says that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer from the waters of the Jordan. You will answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And we all know that when they crossed the other side, they stacked the stones, one from every tribe, so that they could remember the divine visitation from God when he spread that water. Because they came to the Jordan River and they needed to cross it when they were about to go into the promised land and God cut off the water, yes? Similar to the Red Sea incident. God's promise to be with his people is a repeated theme throughout scripture, amen? Do not be afraid for I am with you. That's what God told Jacob in his dream. Because Jacob was afraid. Remember, when anytime God shows up and tells you don't be afraid, he's doing it because you're scared right now. He knows that. That's why he says that. And everybody is afraid when they see God. Even John on the island of Patmos. 
spent all that time with Jesus, knew all about it, and bam, when he had that vision, what happened? <sighs> Down on the ground, terrified. That's what, ha- that's what will happen when we go to see God one day. The message, oh, uh, the promise of assurance of God's presence. That's what Jacob received. The promise of assurance of God's presence, I wrote, should stir up the heart of every believer with the same response of worship and confidence that Jacob had. Jacob had just done some dishonest stuff. And God came to him in a dream and said, it's going to be okay. I got you. And all of his ways that he responded to that through marvelous worship and that vow and all that, that's, that's what our response should be in the heart of every believer. Ask yourself this question. Is my heart currently responding to God the same way that Jacob did in response to God's assurance and promises? Ask yourself that question. I can't answer that for you. I can't answer that for Bibi. I can only answer that for one person. Correct. The message of salvation and hope is the same since you first accepted and professed Christ. You know what that means? To accept and profess Christ? Romans, that if you can, you know what it takes to be saved, folks? You know what it takes? That if you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Not if, not and if. If you believe and profess, you're saved. God, by grace and redemption through Christ, wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And promises protection and provision so that his people can be a blessing to others. We, in turn, respond with faith. By fearing him, healthy fear. Worshiping him. Offering to him. Honoring him. Vowing to him. And making memorials to him for the future worshipers at such places like here. Let this be our Bethel. Today, we're putting a stone right here in the center of this room that God is rebuilding this church. Every week I see somebody new and they come back the next Sunday. This is good. God is rebuilding this church. What is the church, Chris? It's not the building. It's us. We're the people. We the people. We are the church. And God is rebuilding this church. I see faithful believers showing up every week who want to seek and dive into the word of God. They want to know God better. They want to come and get fed a message of hope and salvation and grace and mercy and love. And they want to understand God's word. And they keep coming back for more. We're putting a stone here today. One stone, because I'm only one guy. But I need each of you to put your own stone on top of the same stack. And I need you to multiply yourself and replicate yourself and take those cards and we got to keep inviting people who don't know Jesus, who don't get it. Because there's an opportunity for them to get it. Right here in the sinner's room, let's set up our stones and let's oil them. Okay, let's pray.
God, you are so, so, so good to us. I am so blessed, Lord. I love this church. I love, uh, I love what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Give us worshipful response to you, Lord. Give us a heart to seek after you, Lord. Remind us, Lord, when we drop the ball. Remind us, Lord, when we do something wrong, Lord. Remind us when we choose to do something wrong, Lord, that you love us, that you still want to be our God, that you still want to bless us, that you still want to carry us, that you still want to protect us, and you still want to be our Father. Lord, I thank you for this people. I thank you for our family. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen.